0: Greetings Cap fans and welcome to episode 3 of Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host Rick Forbanus and I am joined by my partner Bob Lucius.
1: Hey everyone, um, great to be here.
0: Yes, we're uh, we got a lot to cover today. This is a a fun and I, I use that word uh, carefully cuz it is a, it was a really fun story. And this is the the Bloodstone Hunt, in Captain America regular series volume one, which took place between issues three fifty seven and three sixty two, and it was um, it was a it was a fun story. So uh, obviously, there's six parts to this, so uh, we got a lot to cover. So we'll go ahead and, and uh, get this rolling. All right, let's go. All right, so I, I will start by saying that the issue three fifty seven which is part one, uh, does have a, the majority of the story uh, is like the 17 pages, I think it was, um, is part two of a previous story that was uh, about Cap being a teenager going in and looking for uh, a missing teen with uh, the Sisters of Sin. And it was drawn by Al Milgram. So we're not going to get into that. We're just going to get right into the, the Bloodstone Hunt and which is interesting because the last ten pages of this issue are this story, and it starts with prologue, which you know you don't expect to see that at the end of a story, but it is the prologue to the Bloodstone Hunt. So we, we kick the story off, and it's these three shadowy figures, right? They're they're breaking in to this museum and uh, overpower a guard and steal this this huge crate, and they 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 go ahead and and we see that it is. Batrock the Leaper, it is Machete, and it is Zaran. Now, for those who don't know these characters, uh, Batrock the Leaper, he's been around forever, right? He's, he was first introduced to in Tales of Suspense number 75 back in 1966. Yeah. He has been a thorn in Cap's side for quite some time, and he actually had a small role in the Captain America Winter Soldier movie in the very beginning. So he's been around. You probably know him, but who are these other two characters? Well, uh, Maximilian Zoran, he he was first introduced in Shang Chi number seventy-seven. Who, by the way, the artist on that book was Mike Zeck, so he was co-creator of Zoran. And he is a UK former British secret intelligence officer who uh, is a master of weapons. So you have him, and then the other character is Machete who is Ferdinand Lopez. He is a revolutionary from San Diablo, a country in South America. And um, so actually these two characters worked with Patrick uh, in, to become uh, Patrick's brigade in Captain America 302, 303, 304. And that back then, the three of them were trying to steal Captain America's shield. So here they are once again, showing up in the pages of Captain America. So they, they grab this this crate and they get into uh, this uh, truck. And as they're pulling away, there's this figure on the top of the truck. And we don't know who it is. Uh, we might kind of know it is because who else wears a pink costume? Uh, there's, there's really not much going on there. But anyway, so they, they go to the Silverman funeral home, drop off the crate. And there enough is Baron Zemo waiting for him, and, and not just any Baron Zemo. This is Baron Helmet Zemo, which is the 13th Baron Zemo, uh, the same guy who was introduced in Cap 168, who is the son of the, the Zemo that uh, fought Steve in World War II. So here he is, Baron Helmet Zemo, also sometimes referred to as Zemo II, and they open up the crate, and they see a skeleton And he's so excited. He's like, ja, ja, this is it, the skeleton of Ulysses Bloodstone. And it's a nice splash page, right? And right there, there's the logo. I mean, you know this is a big story, Bob, when the story itself has its own logo. And it did. It had the Bloodstone Hunt logo. And uh, this is also the same thing that draped across the Captain America logo on the front of the cover for these six issues. So you could tell right away this was a a story that was, you know, a little different from everything else.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, that's true. Uh, you know, it's funny when you you look at that, and as you said, not a lot of not a lot of story arcs have their own uh, logo, but they were really building up to this one.
0: Yeah, and if I could go back to that cover, right? The other thing that changed in with this this particular issue on the cover was not only the Bloodstone Hunt Part One of Six, but in the corner box, we have. A new logo right before we had kieran dwyer with a, a very bulky uh cap kind of running with his shield with a smile on his face and um but this one this one has cap in a, in a kind of a shadowy look and behind him is rachel also known as diamond back yes yes and even yeah. better even right better. above her right above her is a heart with a little with a little tear in it
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh oh. no, I got I got to tell you. I uh I this came out just as I was shipping off to uh to to the Marine Corps, you know, after after college and embarking on my. So, I didn't read this at the time. But I'm really curious what what readers at the time thought of that uh, of that new box up there in the corner with the little broken heart. Um how that went over.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you know, you bring up a good you remember? point. Yeah, I I remember seeing it and being like, what, 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 what's going on here? (laughs) You know, because, because Diamondback, she was introduced in issue 310 and that was, you know, a few years previously when she was with uh, the Serpent Society and, um, and we, we knew very early on in that issue, she was very smitten with Captain America. Uh, So so, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. But, you know, you bring up a good point about what was going on during that time, because this is 1989. So maybe we need mm-hmm. to set the scene a little bit here of of what was going through people's minds in 1989. Like, what were the big stories back then to kind of set the stage for for this story and how it would play out?
1: Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, what, what was that? That was about two years into the Elder Bush's administration. So there's a lot going on in the world. We know that, right? I mean, this was the beginning of the uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. that started with the uh, revolutions in uh, all the Eastern European bloc countries like Poland and Romania, that eventually would uh, would end up with uh, with the fall of the Soviet Union in '91. So, so geopolitically. There's there's a lot going on, but uh, what else? I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, I
0: I will tell you which was big for me as a comic book fan back in 1989, and I think a lot of our listeners, the number one movie, the number one grossing movie in 1989 was Batman, oh, Batman, and you know Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. I'm Batman, right? The I mean, Batman. That,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so so that was uh, that was huge. But the other thing too, that was really big back their movie wise, the number two grossing movie was Indiana Jones uh, and the last crusade. Okay. So I, I, I think with that being said, I think, you know, this story had a little bit of an Indiana Jones yeah. feel to it,
1: right? It had a lot
0: of it. Yeah. So we're, let's, let's talk about that. So, so we get back to the, the splash page. We, we see that it's U, Ulysses Bloodstone and Baron Zemo is so excited and then next thing you know, the next panel coming in is um, uh, this this character that, uh, and, and he comes from behind this, <laughs> this uh, drape, if you will. And he is, a, it's a dwarf with a uh, all white three-piece suit wearing sunglasses, a chain, uh, goatee, very stylish looking guy. And uh, Patrick's like, who's this? And uh, Zemo says, this is... My associate, Tristram McCrawber. He is a psycho detective. And then he goes and he puts his hand on the, uh, the the skeleton. And then we get to get a backstory of Ulysses Bloodstone. So we hear that, you know, he was back in the caveman days, he's been around that long, but then a, a meteorite comes and there's an alien and there's a stone. He he gets the stone, it, it shatters it with his spear, it ends up embedding onto his chest and and which gives him this uh ability to be immortal and then he he through the centuries he stalks and he slays monsters so that's that's the character then part of the story is that uh the 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 stone shatters and you know Ulysses bloodstone is collapsing and and then it's taken away by the custody and and Zemo's like and the gems what are the gems well they vanished so so that's how we get introduced to Ulysses' bloodstone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. The first time I read through this uh, was several, several years ago and picked it up again. And I got a little curious about old Ulysses and uh, and I was surprised. I thought this was was possibly uh, uh, an invention by Gru. But in fact, the character of Ulysses' bloodstone goes back quite a ways. So, I yep. mean, um, the first appearance was back in Strange Tales 73, and that was a bit of a retcon appearance, and, uh, and you wouldn't know it from reading the story that it was this guy. But, uh, but he was also in Marvel Presents uh, number one and number two, which basically told his backstory, uh, which you just sort of summarized, and which is summarized in a little bit more depth in, uh, in this first issue of The Bloodstone Hunt. So, he's been around some time, and then uh, he died in, uh, in Rampaging Hulk number eight. Back in uh, in 1978, so uh, so that's that's where he he uh, he met his end, and that's where this story sort of picks up many years later.
0: So the story picks up, and we find that the character that was on top of the truck is Diamondback, and she's been spying on them this entire time, trying to hear what's going on. And uh, Zaron basically finds out that you know she's spying, and uh, they they fight and. She she's doing okay. She's doing okay for a, an Olympic-style gymnast with some fake diamonds. Um, but out of nowhere, Batrick comes and he knocks her out. Then he, of course, he's like, Oh my it's it is a woman. Oh, a thousand pardons, mademoiselle, right? Uh and, and apologies to <laughs> to all my French friends uh <laughs> and my my bad uh Batrick, the the Leaper accent. So they, they capture her, uh, and then we, you know, we already know that these guys, the Batrix Brigade, they're not very good, right? Not, not, they're not respectable people. They've already practically killed a guard. Uh, now we've got um, uh, Machete. Uh, what Batrix is, a, you know, what should we do with her? And Machete's like, I know what I'd like to do with her. You know, I mean, these are, these are, these are not good guys, right?
1: Yeah, um, so these were these are racy comics back in, uh, back in the day, so.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, so... <laughs> I mean, these were racy. I mean, so at one point they, they take Diamond back and they throw her in with the skeleton and, and, and lock her up. And, and Machete's like, such a waste. You know, I mean, like, wow, okay. Uh, so then the, uh, they, they take a part of the, the, the skeleton off uh, like a rib cage and um, it's now their divining rod, which is going to allow them to look for these, these segments, these, these pieces of the bloodstone that are all over the world. And, and now it's a race to find the bloodstones. And then it ends with the, the box that Rachel and, and the skeleton are in. And it says, a half an hour later, the makeshift coffin is thrown down a deep, dark pit. It falls for over a minute. That's pretty deep. And to be continued in part two of the bloodstone hunt, the catacombs. So that gets us to our next issue. We're rolling along here. And it's got a great cover. Love the cover, right? This cover, totally Indiana Jones. It's the cover of 358. And it's Captain America, who is in a, it looks like a cave of some sort, but the walls are coming in on him. And, and they have spikes up top, and they have spikes down below. And the, the starburst says, to rescue Diamondback, Cap enters the caverns of death. And it looks pretty, uh, looks pretty daunting for our hero here. Um, so it starts off with, and, I, and by the way, I want to give credit where credit is due, right? So let's talk about the the, uh, the team that's involved on this. So Mark Runewald's the writer. Of course, he's been the writer for quite some time uh, at this point. And uh, Karen Dwyer is the penciler. But this is the first time. Now, Karen, Karen started in CAP with, um, I want to say, issue 338, which was, uh, you know, let's say, 20, 20 issues before, right? So they, they've had some time together, him being the penciler. But now this is the first time I'm noticing that Kieran Dwyer is listed as a co-plotter. And so Mark is uh, working hand in hand. And then let's also back up a little bit here too, Bob. So these six issues came out over the course of three months and they were bi-weekly, right? And so they started, at cover dates of September, October, November, which means that they probably came out in July, August, September. So this was their their annual or beginning of their annual biweekly issues. And one of the things they did to, to make sure that the artists were on time and they didn't have to like switch artists, was they just, they, they have backup stories, right? So the first 17 pages were Kieran Dwyer and uh, the backup pages were a completely different story, which we're, we're not gonna get into, we don't have time today. But it's about U.S. Agent and his uh, hunting scourge. And that was done by artist of Mark Bright. So anyway, that, that's the, the credit. And I just want to say that um, uh, Danny Belandi was the inker for him. And I, I, I've liked, I like Belandi on Kieran Dwyer. I think he does a really nice job. So um, that's where the credit is due. All right. So the title of this story is Bones of Contention. And we, we get Cap uh, coming down a, a rope into a cavern with his flashlight, and he and with all the uh, the, the, the stalagmites and everything all around him. Um, so it it already has a pretty cool feel. And then he sees skeletons of some people, and and actually it looks like they were the uh, the creatures that, um, that that work with the with the mole man. And um, so he he steps in the wrong place, very much a. Indiana Jones-type move, and next thing you know, all these spikes start flying at him, and he's he's getting hit, but his shield takes some. His acrobatic moves kind of get him out of harm's way, but of course, where he lands, it opens up underneath him, and it goes into a lava pit, right? So so then he, 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 he has to jump for it, and as he jumps for it, more spikes come out, so he, he gets you know, hurt there, and he's climbing up the, these spikes. And then as he comes out of that, there's another booby trap and a, and, a, and a wall comes down, which has spikes on it, and he has to get underneath it very quickly. And, uh, and then another one, and then he's in a place where the, uh, the walls start coming in and they have spikes, uh, and, he, and he works his way out of this. But this is one, two, three, four, five pages of traps that he has to, to get through, a la Indiana Jones. I don't know about you, but this this was a great way to just grab the reader, right? You know, just pull you in, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know how many, uh, how many uh, young kids who read this at the time sort of uh, play-acted that scenario, those scenarios, you know, in their bedroom and in their house, you know, <laughs> rep- replicating, you know, trying to replicate all those maneuvers and obstacles. And uh, so, yeah, it's a great several pages of uh, just... quintessential cap acrobatics and uh, problem solving and I love being able to find out uh you know what's in that little utility uh bag that he carries on his belt so yeah got some tape and a blasting cap so uh fortuitous
0: yes yes he uh he is a well you know they do call him a uh the big boy scout so he is prepared right
1: yeah (laughs)
0: So then he goes into, he sees this deeper pit in some sort of cavern where there's, again, more skeletons, uh, which seems to be an interesting story that I don't know if we ever get to. But yeah. uh, but there is a, a deep, deep, dark pit. So right. he climbs down this rope, and at the very bottom, he sees this casket, and it's the one that Rachel's in. Now, by the way, I forgot to mention, sorry, he has been following a sensor, right? There's a homing yeah. device because Rachel... Uh, had her homing device on. And so he's following all the way. He's following a device. He doesn't know who it is, right? So anyway, he opens up his diamond back. He's like surprised. And she's like, oh, Cap, Cap, you got my signal. I've given up hope. Then I remember the transmitter I gave you. It feels like it's been days. Sorry if I smell. So anyway, so she, she gets into Cap's arm. So this, uh, he, she gave him the transmitter back in issue 344, if anybody's paying attention. So she tells a story about uh, what she was doing uh, following Batrick's uh, brigade, about the, the skeleton. And so he's like, okay, he, he takes um, the skull of Ulysses Bloodstone, and he's like, I can't take the whole skeleton, I'll just take the skull, and, and then they go ahead and they make it back up uh, out of the pit. So that brings us to Avengers Island. Now, uh, in Avengers Island, we get introduced to you know Cap's not introduced. We get uh, we get to see Cap's team and get introduced to a new member on Cap's team. Uh, Fabian goes ahead and introduces about this new modified Quinjet, and then he introduces him to a pilot by the name of Colonel John Jaminson. And who is John Jaminson, You ask. Well, John, that was
1: Jonah's loving son.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, so we get introduced to him. So then Cap starts reading up on Ulysses' bloodstone. We get a little bit of Rachel sitting in the background, pining <laughs> over him. And she's just that. got her, her hands, her <laughs> hands just leaned over like a little schoolgirl. It's funny. And she's like, this is fabulous. Sitting here in Cap's private office, helping him work.
1: Hell, that's just how I'd look if I was there. Right?
0: <laughs> I know, right? We'd all have, have schoolboy crushes on it. Yeah. So, so Fabian went ahead and uh, turned the skull into, because it's giving off some weird energy, right? So he turns it into being able to be their own tracking device, if you will, for the stones. So now there is a, a, a race on, right? We've got Zemo and his crew uh, looking for the stones, and now it's Cap. And so Rachel follows after him. And again, a little racy a little racy as they're yeah. running to the airstrip. <laughs> she's running behind him and in her thought bubble, Mm-mm, look at that tushy move. It's America's <laughs> ass,
1: right? <I> mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, even back then, even back then <laughs> that was America's ass. Anyway, so Diamondback wants to go in, with him and he's like, uh, Diamondback, before I let you tag along, I want you to promise there won't be any funny business like last time we worked together. And she's like, scout's on her. And, and so that was in issue 319. And in case you didn't know what happened then. So uh, she, again, back then, she was pining for him, right? And they get into her airship. While she's in the air, she takes the key out of the ignition and puts it down her shirt and says, Cap, unless you give me a kiss, we're going to crash. And of course, Cap calls her on a bluff. And uh, so she safely lands the plane. But uh, he said, nope. I, I can't work with people I don't trust. Any any leads? So that's the funny business. In case anybody was wondering. So they take off in this this new hyped up Quinjet that uh, John Jameson is uh, flying, and he's now uh, a pilot working with the Avengers, specifically Cap. So they, they they go ahead. And, um, they follow the signal from the skull, and they, they get to just south of the equator uh, where the Amazon River is. So they're they're in the jungle. And they parachute into the jungle. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Diamondback, she lied. she she never really done this before. And so she didn't land very well. And she's she's caught up in the trees. And her costume is conveniently ripped all over. So she has some, some rip. And uh, apparently, she doesn't wear a bra uh, because uh, <laughs> there's some skin showing uh, here and there. Uh, by the way, uh, that's a little... I think uh, fan service uh, right. that yeah. uh, that Kieran Dwyer did, and so that and that's throughout the rest of the the uh, the story. So next thing you know, they're surrounded by these these Incas, these long lost tribe of Incas, a la Indiana Jones, and they have their spears and, he, and caps. Like, all right, we're not going to fight. Let's just go to where they they take us, and they go to this um, uh, pyramid, right? And they get in there and uh sure enough uh the over this pit they have um it looks like they're doing some sort of sacrifice but uh they don't know what it is they show down on this pit there's this there's this circle and it's like uh, this huge circle and there we find our four enemies bolted to this circle with all their heads kind of in the middle of where like the uh uh, if you will, the bullseye would be, and they're all their legs are going out. So there's Zemo, there's Batrock, there's Zaran, there's Machete. They're all there. By the way, Bob, conveniently enough, there's space for two more.
1: Space for two more.
0: <laughs> yep. And so the just before Cap and Diamondback can do anything, the Incas behind them uh, use their little blow darts with some poison and hit them in the back of the neck. So that is the end of that story.
1: What a cliffhanger.
0: It is. And and, and and that's a great point because these have been starting off with like gangbuster action and each end with a cliffhanger. And you know what I like about this too, Bob? Is that the cover of the next issue is the cliffhanger from the previous one. Yeah. So it is the... And it says on the cover here, right, now we've got all six of them bolted on this, and you see all these spears pointed at them, and it's Cap, Baron Zemo, Machete, Patrick, Zoran, Diamondback, trapped, the Wheel of Death, which happens to be the name of the story. So we go back into this, and uh, and by the way, you know, uh, just want to point out uh, that Bob Sharon uh, is now the new colorist on this, uh, taking over the for the previous colors. Um, so Bob's back after a, a little bit of a hiatus. Um, anyway, so we, we get the story. They're, they're, they've been tagged with these um, blow darts and Cap's trying to fight the poison and he's trying to get his, his, his uh, heartbeat uh, and his blood pumping faster. So he's, he's working on that to try to, to, to get this poison out of his system. And the uh, sure enough right when the, everybody is supposed to throw their spears at Cap and, and the other captives here, Cap breaks free, grabs a spear, and takes that spear and knocks down all the other spears, like kind of like in a, in a batting motion, right? And, and getting all the others. So, and he catches a few more, he breaks himself out, he throws the spear, Blunt end, not tip end. Blunt end first at the uh, at the, the head, the head Inca. And um, anyway, the uh, he he gets them free, and, and he's he's fighting. He's still fighting off the um, the uh, the poison, right? But he he says, you know, and he doesn't have a shield, so he's fighting with spears. Um, but uh, you know, he, he ends up besting everybody. And then when he he looks, the only person left still down there is Diamondback. The the other three guys. Uh, four guys, I should say, went ahead and, and left. So, grab uh, Cap grabs back and um, the uh, they they head off. John's there to with his with his Quinjet to uh, to take them. You know, via a swinging ladder and a very dramatic escape as the uh, the Incas are there and um, you know shooting at him. Hot pursuit. Yes, very much Indiana Jones. Now I would just say that there is a shadow of a character we are now introduced to in the corner and it's someone watching everybody get away. And all we see is a thought bubble. And it says, "All ain't that a shame? Well, who's that guy?
1: Who could it possibly be Rick? We don't know. We don't know. We
0: do not know.
1: You just have to wait and see.
0: Yes. So they fly off. Now, uh, Baron Zemo also flies off. And I have to say, he's, he's in here and he's talking with his, the Patrick's brigade, as well as the, the clairvoyant. And um, he's, he's saying to the, to, to him, um, why, why did you not warn us about this? He says, well, I, I'm a clairvoyant, not a precognitive. Uh, I read the present, not the future. So, okay. That explains that. Uh, they, they, they uh, they do find that they do have two of the stones, while the cap doesn't have any. So uh, they decide to then go off to the follow for the next one. Which guess where it is? It's Bermuda Triangle. So they leave. Yeah. They leave uh, the jungle to go to the Bermuda Triangle. So it's quite quite the. So Cap and Diamondback uh, go diving into the water. He, Cap, Cap's like, mm, Diamondback, why don't you go to the other boats and see if you can find them? And it kind of maybe sends her on a little bit of a fool's errand. Uh, so she, she dives in. She gets onto a boat. And again, a little racy. There is a, uh, a, a woman lying uh, face down, topless, in a bikini. So uh, then she you know, sits up and puts her bikini top on. Um, and the owner of the boat, we assume he comes over and he's like, well, what can I do for you miss? So she diamond pack puts on the, the, the tears and acting and she's like, Oh, I can't find my boat. You know, I, I must've gotten on the wrong one. Can you help me? And so of course they help now. So cap swimming. And by the way, he has, uh, not just, uh, his swashbuckler boots on, but he has, um, his cap flippers. He's got red ca- cap flippers. Yeah. Very convenient. Uh, the any uh, any, I gotta say, he is a magnificent swimmer with that shield of his,
1: right? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, water resistance against that shield, but it doesn't slow him down,
0: no, not at all. So, he gets to this uh, this plane, this airliner that crashed uh, in, in Bermuda Triangle years ago, and so you know, uh, the scum, the scolometer, as he calls it, the scolometer finds that, uh, that there's something inside there. So he goes, but, but sure enough, Zemo's crew was already there. So there's Batrick and his machete and Zoran. They come out and they start fighting. And so Batra leaves to machete and, and Zaran to fight. And so they're, they're fighting at him with um, a spear gun and a machete. And next thing you know, Batra is swimming up and he comes across a really big shark, like a big shark, right? And so he shoots him with a spear gun, but, oh no, that drew the attention of, it looks like, like seven, eight, nine more sharks. So he now swims back to where Cap and uh, the other guys are wrestling. And that is the end of this issue. Next, Sea of Blood.
1: No, I mean, I, you know, this is, uh, I think the, uh, of, of all of the action, set pieces in uh, in this Bloodstone hunt. I think one of my, I, I, think, I think my favorite is the underwater sequence. Because yeah, we uh,
0: don't see Cap normally underwater. So right. this, this put right. him in a new element.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's three against one. And, you know, you got to throw in a, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe a dozen sharks on top of that. So uh, it's...
0: Yeah, had a little bit of a, a James Bond feel to it, you know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, we're, we're, we're now hitting some other genres as well, all these uh, action adventure genres. So, uh, part four we've got of the Bloodstone Hunt. And now uh, on the cover, it says Even if Cap manages to beat Batruck Zoran, and Machete, can he survive the deadly jaws of frenzied sharks? And you see some sharks on the on uh, at least one big shark on the cover. Again, cliffhanger ends, cover picks up where the cliffhanger ends. I like that. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. So we have, uh, again, Mark Grunewald, Kieran Dwyer, Danny Blandi, uh, Bob Sharon on colors. So this is part four, Blood in the Sea. So they're wrestling underwater, and Cap notices the sharks. He tries to get Zeron to notice. Uh, they notice, and they start to, to go back into the, uh, the airline, the sunken airline, and Cap's kind of left there by himself fighting the sharks, so he eventually gets himself uh, in there, but they—he uh, can't get into the cockpit because the, the the three the three bad guys close the door, and they're like, "Oh well." <laughs> um, so uh, Cap even says, "Come on, you guys, cut me a little slack." Well, he thinks it anyway, right? And so he's fighting the sharks. He comes back out. Meanwhile, Diamondback is. Oh, well,
1: yeah, hold on, Rick, because I, I gotta call it, I gotta call this panel out because this is this is one of my favorite panels in the entire bloodstone hunt. Yeah. And, uh, maybe it's just cause I'm a, I'm a big softy, you know, but you know, cap cap doesn't like to kill, you know, whether it's man or beast. And, uh, you know, and right before he goes into the, to the airline and trying to get into the cockpit, he's, he's kind of wrestling with some sharks. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he decides he's got he's got to put down one shark and hopefully use it as bait to draw off some of the other sharks. But before he does, so he apologizes to the shark and he says, Sorry, Jaws. I know you were just looking for your next meal, same as everyone, but it was you or me. So, you know, Cap doesn't take any life uh, for granted, right? And he doesn't, true. He does not He doesn't like to take any life if he doesn't have to, even if it's, uh, it's a deadly shark that's uh, trying to eat him. And, uh, man, that's just, that's just so Cap.
0: It is. It is. And that's another reason why we, we love the character of Steve Rogers. So there we have Rachel on, the, on this boat. And with some help from this guy and his reluctant female companion, uh, she's got her binoculars. She comes across, because there's other boats in the bay, and she comes across uh, Zemo. She sees Zemo. So she goes and she dives into the water and she comes up on Zemo's boat um, and doesn't go unnoticed. Zemo sees it. He goes to draw his weapon. She's quick. She throws one of her patented throwing diamonds and um, kicks him and she's got him. But... Uh, his um, companion, Tristan McWabber, is there with a machine gun. And he, um, she stops him, right? So she's, she's holding her own. But um, meanwhile, back in the depths of the water, yeah. Captain is holding off on these sharks. And the three bad guys are in the cockpit looking up. And at this point, uh, Batruck says Captain is in, in the soup now. A pity so great a fighter must die. So, so, so then we cut back and it's um, uh, Diamondback is uh, taking care of, of business with, um, uh, with Zemo and McWabber and uh, so she, she puts McWaber down. So now we cut back to, to the water and we see that Batrick and his, his colleagues uh, are getting back onto Zemo's boat and they see that um, Rachel has Zemo with a, with a gun to his head saying, um, you know, put your hands up high where I can see them. Uh, now who has the bloodstone fragment and, you know, toss it to me. So they toss it They you know, but, but Patrick's no fool, right. He tosses it so that Rachel has to reach for it, which gives uh, zaran uh, an opening to throw one of his size, gets her on the shoulder. She falls into the water with a, with a, uh, a sigh in her, in her shoulder, bleeding. And, um, then they take off the boat takes off and Zemo says, wait a minute, uh, that, uh, she stole the two fragments in the case while my back was turned. Uh, so Rachel, uh, you know, being a, a master thief. Know, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Dime, uh, Diamondback is, 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 um, discovered by Cap while he's in the water and he rescues her. And, uh, again, the, The long ladder comes down from the Quinjet, and they they fly away. And then we cut to see someone watching all this. It's it's the same shadowy figure that was in the jungle. And this time we see uh, actually what this person looks like as he puts down his binoculars, and it's our introduction to Crossbones.
1: Right. I mean, they haven't introduced him yet, but, uh, you know, retrospectively, we now know who this character is.
0: Yes, Yep, so that is um, you know technically this is his known as his first appearance. So uh, they're on the, the, the plane and the Quinjet and Diamondback shows she did get one uh, she did get some of the stones uh, two of the stones and uh, surely I deserve a kiss for that. Cap Cap in his Cap way he's like Diamond. <laughs> I was just kidding. She's Can't a girl make a joke around you? But uh, anyway, so they, they fly off and where is the next place they go off to? Right? They were in the jungle. Yep. They were in the Bermuda Triangle. Now they're off to ancient Egypt. Yeah. And I got to tell you, this was really cool. Really well done by, by Kieran Dwyer. I, I love the, um, as they walk into the desert, there is a, stairs leading down into a pit that's covered with sand and it just had i don't know just it makes for a really cool feel and then and then in the next panel you see cap with his flashlight you know with the big you know strobe effect as he's going and you see the uh the hieroglyphics uh, on the walls of, of the in, inside of this um of this cave so cap you know shows that he's a little worried about about diamondback because he's like look if, you, if your injuries start to bother you let me know I'll send you back to the ship. But she's like, no way. I don't want him to think I'm a wimp, you know, because she, she wants him to, to, she's trying to prove herself to Cap.
1: She's trying hard, yeah.
0: So they're walking and, uh, you know, apparently it's a universal thing. It's a universal Yeah, thing.
1: Every, every Egyptian temple
0: has right? one of these. Uh, Yes, because um, there's a trap door that opens up and underneath they're falling and there are all these snakes and there's even a hairy tarantula, and a scorpion, right? So it's yep. to yep. be continued. Yeah. Bob, do I have to tell you, on the next cover, it's them falling into the pit.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a classic call out, right, to uh, to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. right. And yeah. I hate snakes. Yes. Right? Why
0: did it have to be snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? Awesome. Yep. Into the lair of the living mummy we open up big splash panel. They're falling. There they are. It's Lair of the living mummy. And sure. And sure enough, uh, we have the, the snakes, the, the tarantula, the, the scorpion. There is even a, even a big beetle.
1: It's a big uh, yeah. 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 And so that's scary Dime, stuff. not diamondbacks best look on the cover, but, uh, pretty it's scary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I
0: agree with that. Yeah. She looks terrified. And Cap looks a little concerned too. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so they uh, they're 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 falling, and Cap uh, lands first and catches Diamondback, and um, he he takes her and kind of with that momentum because his his feet crouch, he then jumps and like throws her up, and she lands. Now remember, she her shoulder got stabbed, so she's really in a lot of pain there, but she she made it and she's pulling herself up, and. Cap, like, okay, my micro chainmail uniform seems to be proof against most of these critters' bites and stings, but there's bound to be a few worn spots here and there. Well, you know where that worn spot must have been, Cap, uh, Bob? Where's I'll that? tell you. Uh, that would be in the back of his neck where a Inca blow dart hit. Yeah. Right? So apparently a chainmail yeah. <laughs> as, as like, I think they almost like Mark had to write this here. He had to be like, oh there's bound to be a few worn spots here and there because yeah. i think we'd all kind of guess okay so sure a uh, snake fangs can't get through but uh, a little ink of blow dark. blow dark
1: yeah time for a tune-up on the micro chain mail yes yeah.
0: uh
1: so cap jumps up and he
0: uh he grabs rachel's arm but she from the pain uh, it's did just I because mean, he weighs like 240 pounds right yeah. so um she, she he dislocates her shoulder and so she screams in pain he gets up um he pops it back in but she passes out from the from the pain so he uh he gets his his shield dislodged and he he he's working on that he turns around diamond's gone where'd she go she's gone so we cut to the next page, and there's Zemo and his crew are flying in, and uh, Zemo dispatches Batroc and his colleagues to, to go in there, but they kind of figure that Caps already beat them to it, so they're laying in ambush. So we go back inside the tomb, Caps looking around. Uh, he comes across a shred of, uh, of old cloth, like, like a mummy wrapping, and he spends like a half an hour trying to find a secret entrance. Because he, he realizes she didn't go anywhere. And so he spends quite some time looking and he finds an outline and he gets in there and he sees this huge mummy over top of Diamondback who's who's laying on this uh this stone table, if you will.
1: Yeah, ritual and, table, yeah.
0: And and so the mummy just like knocks Cap for a loop. And he's like, Wow, uh that it's a super mummy, <laughs> so um, he's 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 fighting and and uh, it's it's he gets a little bit of a break. He comes over to 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 check to make sure that um, uh, Rachel's doing okay, and he notices like a, a like a leaf on her wound. And he's like, hmm, is he is he trying to help her or what? So they continue fighting. Uh, eventually, uh, Diamond wakes up. So he he takes his shield and he hits him mummy right in the throat, which is enough to kind of break free from his grips. And and Cap's like, Diamond, are you all right? And she's like, I, I feel great, Cap. No pain in your shoulder? None. Ah, so you were trying to help. Why? And so uh, the mummy starts to try to talk, but Cap doesn't understand what, what, what the mummy's saying. But guess who does? That would be Rachel. Because her teammate in the Serpent Society, Asp, is from Egypt and, and knows the language, so she got acquainted with the language. So,
1: yeah, not the easiest language to pick up, but uh, you know she can be a smart cookie. Uh,
0: apparently, yeah. So um, they're talking and convinces the mummy to give the stone to Cap in return. Cap says um, he will once he gets all five fragments, he will return to uh, try to restore the mummy. And um, the mummy, uh, uh, via translation from Rachel, says, uh, he he just said that if you're lying to him, he will spend the rest of his immortal life hunting you down. And what does Cap say?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it, Rick. Tell him I never lie. Yeah, there you go. Right? That's the stuff.
0: Yes, that's the Steve we know and love. Um, And by the way, a little side note. I didn't know that this mummy was an actual character, right? Even though on, the, on the, the cover, it says the living mummy, the living mummy is a character. I didn't know that back in 1989 when I was reading this, yeah. but the, the living mummy, um, I think his real name is N. Cantu, something N-Kantu. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And um, the living mummy's been around for a while. He actually has been part of the Howling Commandos with some other creatures. And uh, the Legion of Monsters. So uh, interesting that Mark Runewald, uh brought this this character in into his story. Yeah. So the Zemo and uh, flies off uh, and talking about uh, you know the the incompetence that why why can't they do anything, and and here's a tender side of Zemo. We need to see. <laughs> I know you don't see this very often. It doesn't last very long, but yeah. Yeah, so there's uh, uh, McWabber on on his on a couch, and um, the, Zemo is getting some water, giving him something to drink. He's he's bandaged him up, uh, but you know, uh, chances are it's just basically because he needs him, right?
1: Yeah,
0: because um, he had a concussion. And then uh, McWabber wakes up and he says, "I had a vision, Zemo. Someone, someone else wants the bloodstones." two others. And was like, hoo, hoo. Of course, the guy faints. Um, so then we get back to, uh, remember John Jamison? So he's he's been hovering, right? He's circling. He's flying around, waiting for cap signal. And as he's sitting there, he sees that there are two, that the two um, bloodstones that are there, and he starts to get a little antsy. Something about them fascinates me, he says, as if I can't guess what. Reminds me of the moonstone I once wore, that once wore me, when Colonel Jameson became the savage man-beast the world came to know as the man-wolf. Got to put these away. Stop playing with them. The moonstone is gone. That part of life is all behind me. Or is it? a little foreshadowing for the cap-wolf saga that comes uh, later on in Mark Rummel's stories. But we do see in the background Crossbones Mask. So, apparently hiding.
1: Crossbones is on the Quinjet. Hiding on hiding in the shadows.
0: Yep. So, Cap and, and Diamondback, they leave, uh, they get ambushed, uh, they beat the ambush, and they, once again, get onto the flying uh, ladder that is from uh, the Quinjet, and they're on it, but... It gets shot by Zemo's aircraft. He's got his guns and part of it is shot. So he's dangling. And next thing you know, it's ending. And this is the one point where it doesn't uh, go to that uh, cliffhanger on the cover of the next issue. Um, But the next cover, it says, and, and, and there's, it says, at last, the harrowing end of the hunt, Zemo ascended. And there's this white figure with energy floating in the air. And you've got Cap and Batrock and Machete and Diamondback. And for the first time ever, Crossbones on the cover. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of this particular story? Necromancing the Stone. You know, it's funny. As I was rereading these, Bob, I, I, of course, it brings back Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. It has a huge feel that... But it also brought back Romancing the Stone. Yeah, 1984. The yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, Michael Douglas, actually, right? Yes. That was a pretty good flick.
0: So here they are hanging by the, uh, the shot up ladder and Diamondback and Cap. And it's a very precarious situation. Cap tells Diamondback to get behind her. John Jameson decides, look, I got to take evasive action. He just, he just goes and boom, afterburners. Luckily, Cap and Diamondback hang on. And uh, they get back onto the ship and um, Cap's been shot and uh, in the leg and Cap's like, so I have. Get me the first aid kit.
1: (laughs) Just a flesh wound.
0: Yes, just a (laughs) flesh wound. So they're they're talking about, uh, they got to go find the fifth and final fragment and nobody notices crossbones lurking in the background. So Zemo and, and his crew get on their ship the uh, captain did drop um, one of the stones. Patrick was able to secure it in the desert. I'm sure that was easy. And the um, uh, starts to wake up and, and reminds everybody someone else wants the stone, but he won't say who. So now they move off to the, they're chasing the last stone and they find themselves in Tokyo, right? So they went from the jungle. It went from the Bumina Triangle. It went from the uh, ancient Egypt to now Tokyo. And, they, and, they, and they actually, uh, Batrak says something uh, interesting here. He says, uh, I think you missed the significance of the four sites that bloodstones secreted themselves. They all had in common were places of death. Uh, the chamber of conspiracy, the Incan sacrifice wheel, the sunken airline, and the pharaoh's tomb. Wherever we find the fifth fragment, I wager we will also find a place of death. So uh, they end up going into the back of this restaurant, and it looks like uh, uh, there's some sort of um, ceremony going on. And uh, they're, they're, But the, the machete says, oh, it's a bunch of waiters and busboys kneeling before a corpse. But um, they, they do have the bloodstone, and they're trying to, it looks like they someone from the dead. So now we're kind of getting an idea of what these stones may be able to do. So uh, this this crew of, of um, looks like uh, you know eight guys starts to attack uh, our three uh, villains, um, but they they make short work of them, and they and they go to show even once again they're not good guys, right? I mean they're they're definitely killing these other people, and when one when the elder puts the uh, stone, swallows it, thinking that'll stop them. Uh, machete just cuts it out off off panel of course and they come rushing out and there's cap standing in the alleyway with his <clears throat> long trench coat over his uniform which was a a very 1989 thing to do
1: uh-huh and and and, and check out the hat right he's got like an indiana jones hat. Uh, he's holding in his left hand he does
0: because that's how you know you do put a disguise on you, that's right you put a hat <laughs> or you went
1: or you went on an adventure
0: true yeah so i you know i'm so at this point cap's saying look i've got some fragments you got some fragments let's meet and uh we'll negotiate so uh zemo's i'm sorry batrick's like okay zemo uh says to do that so sounds good uh do you give your word uh you will bring your bloodstone pieces cap says of course you have my word i want to point out in the last panel so you've got Diamondback, who's, who's his backup, right? And she's on the top of this building looking down. And if you look at the panel, this is very clever of Kieran Dwyer. If you look at the panel, uh, one of them says, Simon. Like, if you took the sign, and it was upside down. So, it, and it says, uh, Simon, S-I-M-O-N. Mm-hmm. And then another one, if you turn it upside down, says Kirby. Simon. And Kirby.
1: Yeah. I got to tell you, Rick, I, I never caught that until you just uh, called it to my attention. So that's that's really pretty cool.
0: I, I Well, I can't take credit for catching yeah. that. I just, I read a lot of notes. That's <laughs> awesome. But yeah, yeah it, I thought it was really interesting that they that they, they did the, a little classy. tribute to the creators of Captain America.
1: Yeah, classy.
0: So Cap uh, meets in the rendezvous. So he says, look, here are my terms. Surrender your two gems or I blow up a, uh, a block in downtown Tokyo and it's like okay um, hmm, we've got to figure this out so in the meantime uh, cap gets back on his his ship to get the the uh, the two bloodstones but he finds John Jameson knocked out and the bloodstones gone so he comes back and he tells Zemo look I don't have them I, I swear to you Zemo, I this isn't a trick um, somebody stole them and before you know it the transcendent coming out of the of of Zemo's ship is his dad. And this is I live again, and he goes on to say, um, uh, "I've been restored," and and Zemo notices it doesn't sound like his father, and he says, "Let fire trumpet my return. Let the world tremble before the might of the Hellfire Helix." So it's not his dad.
1: Yeah, it's, and he's got he's got all those bloodstones embedded in his forehead. Right
0: but he's possessing the body of his dad but but helmet doesn't get this he doesn't realize this so at this point batrock machete zaran they're like, hey this is more than we bargained for and they run off yeah yep they're yeah. out and so cap decides to try to stop uh, this helix creature so he, he goes to throw his shield and um, nothing is, is, is happening and uh, in the meantime, uh, crossbones, uh, is fighting diamondback. And he says, you know, what did you do? What made these gemstones like bloodstones fly from my fist? And diamondback doesn't know. So he, he knocks her out. And, um, so basically I guess when the, 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 the diamond, uh, the bloodstones got close enough to each other, they formed one and went to the corpse and, and, and the helix creature took over. So, uh, Again, there's a long fight. Uh, They're trying to stop, but um, eventually, um, you know, the the island appears, like where they're at, starting to erupt from from the power of the helix, and it looks like volcanoes starting to pop up, you know, lava and things like that. Cap's like, this may cost me my shield um, because it may fall in the lava, but it'll be worth it. And um, so he's going to toss one last time to try to to take the, the skull off. And at the same time, um, Crossbones gets his, his, um, his weapon. He fires a, a bolt at the diamond and uh, the bloodstone, and it, 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 it shatters, right? And, and that's the end of that. And uh, Zemo is, is falling into this pit, and Cap grabs him at the last second. He says, stop jerking around. Um, he, and Zemo is like, let go of me. My father is down there. Uh, father, here I come. And he falls into this pit, and Cap's like crazy full Throwing those waves, life like that. Well, Zemo and the Bloodstone are gone, but that still leaves. And then Diamondback, where are you? She's not there. Odd. I could have sworn I saw someone throw or shoot from inside the ship at the same instant I whipped my shield at the Bloodstone creature. The day may have been saved, but two mysteries remain. And it says, end, question mark. And that, Bob, was the Bloodstone hunt. That was, uh, and that's, that's so why I said in the beginning of this podcast, it was fun. I think it was a lot of fun.
1: It was action packed, and I got—I got to say, it wasn't that—that uh, that last couple pages not not uh, Zemo's uh, best moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, he kind of lost his uh, lost his uh, lost his marbles there toward the end. Um, yep, and he
0: will—he will. He will come back in, in other forms, uh, you know, with the Thunderbolts and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as Mark Grunewald writes him, he is, he is a little crazy. He's a little obsessed, you know, thinking that Cap killed his father yeah. more than once.
1: Right, right, right.
0: For everybody who's, who's listened uh, during these, these six uh, issues, I, I hope you had as much fun uh, as we did talking about it. Uh, by all means, please go to the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group, and uh, share your thoughts. Let us know what you think of the Bloodstone Hunt. Let us know what you think uh, of our take on the story and, uh, you know, provide us your feedback. And as always, we, we really appreciate if you uh, subscribe on your favorite platform, uh, leave us a review and, um, you know, any support, you know, we, we certainly do appreciate because we hope to keep doing these for you uh, each week.
1: Yeah. And hey, and if there's any details that we missed, please let us know because, uh... And we're always looking to get more out of these stories. And every time we read them, we get something new. And I'm sure you do as well. And so be sure to share those with us.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of, of next story we're going to cover, we're going to go to uh, my sweet spot, Bob. We're going to go back into 1982. And it was issues 286 to 289, four-part story mm-hmm. that was by J.M. DeMatteis, Mike Zeck, John Beatty, and Bob Sharon and it was the classic story of deathlock the demolisher. Yes, Deathlock and Captain America. Yeah. And um, can't wait to cover that. That'll be a lot of fun in
1: episode 4. Yeah, I know that one has a lot of meaning for you, so that's going to be a great talk.
0: Yeah. And you know and also for episode 4, uh, you know, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to have joining us uh, the longtime colorist for Marvel uh, for and I say longtime, Bob, he's 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 colored more than uh, fifteen hundred Marvel comics. That's a huge that's, body of work. Yeah. Yes, that's Bob Sharon. So Bob Sharon will be joining us, and an uh, episode four, and he's going to talk about his time with Cap and and some other uh, Marvel comics as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's got he's got some great stories to share, and uh, and, and uh, you know I learned I'm going to learn some stuff from him too. I bet.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right, Bob, this has been, this has been a good time. So I appreciate uh, everyone listening and we uh, look forward to talking with you
1: next episode. All right. Be well, everyone.